0: Welcome to Church Online. I am so excited that you have joined us this morning. I'm Pastor Matt. I pray that our worship will be exciting and uplifting. I pray that the ministry of the Word will work in your heart and that the Lord will do something special. Thank you again for joining us and enjoy the service. Let's go to the Word of God, amen? Romans chapter five, verse one. Romans chapter five, verses one through 11. And I'm gonna pray and we're gonna jump in. Father, we love you and we thank you for your goodness and your grace. Uh, we pray, Father, that this message will be exactly what you have for your church. Speak through me, Father. I pray you would speak through your word. Um, it, it's, your word is life-giving. It does not return empty. And so, Father, we pray that you would be at the center of this message and all that is said and done. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm thankful for this passage of Scripture, and we've been preaching almost whole chapters, and really that's because he's uh, we're not you know doing this like incredible deep dive, but Paul is uh, giving us these these um, big strokes, if you will, of like chapter three is you know your sin and the fact that you're uh, unable and, and we come we fall short Romans 310 323. Um, and remember this is being preached to the house churches at Rome where you have primarily Torah abiding Jews, right? Uh, you have I maybe I'll step back a little bit, It's just ringing when I got out front. But you have Torah abiding Jews who are, and these we think are just 30 to 35 folks in their congregation, and they're projecting their uh, Torah abidingness, their lawness, right, onto new Gentile believers. And so as, as the new Gentile believers come in, uh, they're going, you want us to do what? You want us to abide by what rules? What regulations? I thought this was about Jesus, right? Uh, and so Paul is, is speaking directly to Torah-abiding Jews, who he dubs as the weak or the judge. Uh, and the non-Torah-abiding Gentiles in this faith community are the strong. Uh, They're the ones who can believe in Jesus without all of the extracurricular, without all of the lists, if you will, that that have to be kept. And so uh, this is us trying to bridge the gap between uh, two socioeconomic classes, two different religious classes coming together. Uh, And so it's very applicable for today. Um, Many of you uh, come from other traditions of faith. Where you had to do certain things, or uh, you had to dress a certain way, you would fall probably in the Torah-abiding Jew category. You would fall into the weak category, uh, and I don't mean that in a mean way. I'm just that's how Paul is is describing it. Um, so uh, we're, we're we're getting a lot of things from this text, but as we get into Romans chapter five, what I'm seeing here is the fruit. From the main message, which is justification by faith. So uh, maybe doctrine is new to you. Maybe these big pillars of of our faith, like substitutionary atonement, I'm going to say that today, maybe they're new concepts and that's okay. Uh, These are things that if I believe in building the why, I believe, look, it, it takes churches years and years and years. I think about Uh, churches like Grace Community Church in California, uh, where you have John MacArthur preaching faithfully behind the same pulpit for 50 years, right? Uh, Think about how many times we will have been through the Bible in, in 50 years, right? And I'll be old and senile and yelling at all the young people and you know, it's, my stomach's going out, my shoulders will go down, and, you know, I, I heard a, a comedian one time talking about old deacons in the back of the church, where their pants get so high they had to unzip them to see out, you know, he's like, <laughs> belt like right there, <laughs> and so... You must increase, I must decrease. Look, I, I, I hope to be faithfully preaching the Word of God so far so that I'll have to get up here one day and say, turn in your Bibles. Somewhere between, like, the lady on Monsters Inc., Mike was out, turn in your Bibles, Romans chapter one, those joining online. <laughs> but I, I hope to be doing this for years and years and years. So think about how much we're going to grow together. Well, look. If we're going to do the thing, we might as well do it right. And so uh, the foundation, if the foundation be destroyed, Scripture says, what will the righteous do? And so what Paul is doing is he's trying to give us the foundation. He's trying to build a faith that is worth standing on for years and years and years. And so uh, I, I kind of sprinkle in these theological concepts. But what I love about the book of Romans, what I've been looking forward to is this. What we're about to talk about today is the bedrock. It is the foundation. It is the reason why you are able to pray. How many have ever wondered that? Why are we able to pray? How are we able to just bow our head and close our eyes, or if you're Pentecostal, pray with your eyes wide open? Uh, I'm still not used to that sometimes. It's like, let's pray. And they're staring at you. (laughs) You know, they just want to see what's going to happen, you know? (laughs) Amen. Let's pray. He's coming. I'm for it. I'm not against it. Trust me. I'm not poking fun. I'm just getting used to it. Uh, My own family has moved that direction and it's a whole new experience. God bless them. But have you ever thought about like what it's, how we're able to do that, how we're able to connect with the Lord and what a privilege that is, right? Like what a privilege. I'm going to explain to you why, why that happens. And Paul is going to tell us why. So remember, and and if, if you're new to this series, this is, I don't know, is Cody in here? He's probably out running around doing something. It's, I don't know, it's like the seventh or eighth sermon, I think, in, in this series. So go back and listen. If you feel like you don't have all the context, it's because you don't. We've been preaching through Romans uh, for, for some time. So uh, remember Romans 1.16. It said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation, uh, to the Jew first, but also to the Greek. We believe that to be the thesis statement. So when he says, for I'm, when Paul, the author, uh, Phoebe is reading this, a woman, we're going to get there, that's going to be interesting, uh, didn't know that until this time, but uh, she's reading this to the churches, and so she says in a thesis statement, many believe this to be the most important piece of literature of all time, much less to the church, the book of Romans. And and she is quoting Paul's letter and says, this is the power of, of God, the gospel, the good news. The Greek word is "young Gilean." The good news of what Jesus did. As that reaches you, it transforms you. It changes you. It is the power of God revealed unto you. So, what we're finding is Jesus's life and ministry is the gospel of Jesus Christ, and how we accept that we receive deliverance, sozo, or salvation. Many of you have prayed and declared your loyalty to Jesus. you said, I have decided to follow Jesus, right? And in your mind, you don't understand all the implications of that decision. You're just making it. Uh, Jesus said it this way, like a little child that you say, come to dad. You come, you don't understand all the implications that dad is older, wiser, stronger, richer, made the way for you uh, to be provided for. They, my children just trust me. My children take... What? For granted all of the things that they have at their disposal. And, and, and they're good kids, right? Except that they're hellions, right? That there's none that doeth good, no, not one. You get the implications of what I'm saying. But um, the idea is that they trust their father. They know that what I'm saying is gospel, right? Is good news and that they can count on it. Why? Because I've been faithful to them. Do you understand the relationship of why God is called our father? When Jesus was articulating how to talk to God, he said, when you pray, pray like this, our, right? Uh, So that relationship uh, is an important one to understand. Um, So what I'm saying, what I'm getting at here is Romans is explaining the bedrock, the implications, the mechanics. How many are mechanically inclined here? Anybody? Awesome, Josh, I love it. That guy, he's so helpful, unbelievably helpful, isn't he? Uh, we were talking about that this week. Was it this week we were out to lunch? Yes. Okay, my goodness. Uh, but anyway, it, how many are mechanics in here again? Fly-by-night mechanics? Come on now. Now some of you I know are good with it. You're just not raising your hand. Look, I am, I am not a mechanic. <laughs> if there was a category of the opposite of a mechanic, that's where I would be. I would be like, yes, come over here and let's, let's get coffee. But like this week, My wife's van broke down again for like the umpteenth million time. Uh, And and we're not complaining. It's just, this is what happens when you buy a vehicle and you pay it off. You try to like squeeze every, you know what I mean? Every ounce. At this point, she's like, okay, I think we've squeezed one last time. So she pulls up this week. I wasn't here. Cody was here. The van was making some crazy noise, and he just walks up. He's like, yeah, it's your alternator. I'm like, how do you do that? <laughs> it's like me- mechanically inclined people, they're able to hear sounds, noises, smells, feel, and and perceive these, they call them lights on a dashboard that have emblems. I don't know. It looks like hieroglyphics <laughs> to me. I have no idea. And then they they say, this is broken and this is the problem. And I'm like, Oh, that's really cool. So Cody says, uh, you know, I tried to do sheetrock at my house, and that didn't turn out really well. Um, And I know that if you tried to change your alternator, that would not turn out really well. I'll fix your car. Can you fix my ceiling? I'm like, yes, I am here for it. I can sculpt you some kind of Disney character with sheetrock mud. I'm good. Anything construction, I am down. Anything mechanical, I'm sorry. I will break it. It will be worse than when I touched it. So anyway, but that's kind of like, Paul, right, he's the mechanic. He's the one that says, I hear what you're saying, Torah-abiding Jew. I hear what you're saying, Gentile person who's trying to perceive and understand the good news of the gospel, but here's where you have it wrong. Here's the mechanics of your faith that are not quite put together, and let me help you set them in order. Let me help you explain to you why it's working and firing the way that it is so that you can get somewhere in your walk and in your relationship." And if that makes sense to you, that is the book of Romans. This is the manual. This is the, uh, the instructions, if you will. So uh, a few things I want to point out. It's the gospel. It's the good news. And one thing that he has really been hitting hard on. Remember, there's been whole chapters, especially chapter four leading up to this. It's, it's about this one word called faith. Has anybody seen that word at all in this study? It's been about faith. Faith, it's the vehicle we set on Easter Sunday you got to get in the car. Well, the car, the decision, it's the vehicle is faith. So everything is by faith. And, and we learned last week that um, this thing of faith happens because of what someone else did for us. Faith is made possible. We are, here's the word that Paul uses, justified by faith. That word justification, we learned, is a legal term as in you have been declared innocent or declared righteous or every bad thing you've ever done, you were standing trial for it and someone else bore the penalty for what you did. It wasn't you were declared innocent, go free because you didn't do it. It was you were declared innocent because someone who was actually innocent gave their innocence to you and took your guilt upon themselves. That's justification by faith. I declare my loyalty to Jesus because Jesus is perfect and he takes my imperfectness upon himself. He became sin who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God. So Paul is explaining to us how to live in his righteousness. Here's the thing. You're, you're, you just came into money. You just came into an inheritance. You're a son and daughter of the Most High King, and that comes with stuff. It's like me learning that my long, long lost dead uncle that I didn't know left me a hundred million dollars. What would I do with it? We would have a sweet church building, sweet. I would be like coming up out of the floor every week, welcome to Bethlehem Church, welcome. There would be screams everywhere. A we would have a banging facility. It would be awesome. Yes. They'd be like, Trump, what? <laughs> have you seen Bethlehem Church? Anyway. Oh, man. Excuse me. It would be epic. But, but here's the problem. I would have to learn to adjust to that new lifestyle. I would learn that that comes with responsibility. I don't know what it's like because everything I have in, in, in this life I've worked for very, very hard. And, and we've scrapped and hustled. It is what it is. That's where I come from. We don't come from means, you know what I mean? Our parents are like, man, I hope you do better than we did. <laughs> That's every parent's hope. It's like, I hope you do better than we did. You know, nothing against them. It's like, we come from bumpkins in West Virginia coal mines. You know what I mean? It is what it is. Hillbilly elegy right here. Uh, but anyway, um, too much Netflix this week. I'm sorry. I apologize ahead of time. But <laughs> anyway, let's get back on track here. The, the point is, is I would have to learn to adjust to that new rich lifestyle. Well, here's the problem: when you declare your loyalty to Jesus and He makes you a son or daughter, none of us adjust. Oh, it was come as you are, and He saved me as I am. And <laughs> <laughs> but you never make an adjustment to like what He gave you. He just delivered to you His righteousness. He just gave you an inheritance that is in heaven. Uh, why not try to live that out? Do you understand what I'm saying? That's the Book of Romans. We have to make some adjustments, folks. Don't just act like you're the reason why you got it, because you're not. That's what we're doing today. Here's the title of the message today. It's the benefits. Everybody say, the benefits. The benefits. The benefits. We are justified by faith in Jesus Christ, and that comes with benefits. We're going to talk about three today, if we get to them all. I'm not sure if we will. Go to Romans chapter 5, verse number 1. I'm going to read quick. You listen quick. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace With God, everybody turn to your neighbor and say, I got peace. peace. Say, I got peace like a river. That's right. Everybody hold up a peace sign. All right. We have peace. Only 10% of you have it, because that's the only people that held up the peace sign. (laughs) Look at verse number one. We have peace with God through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's huge. We're going to talk about that. Look at verse number two. We have also obtained access. Everybody say, I got access. We have obtained access uh, through him by faith into this grace in which we stand. Mine alone." These first few verses are incredible. We, we have peace with God. We have access into His grace. I could just preach right there for a good, solid hour, but I won't. Verse three. And not only that, and not but wait, there's what? More. There's more. I got got peace through Jesus. I've got access into his grace. And there's more. Not only that, but we also boast in our afflictions. Everybody go, Boast in our afflictions. Well, I'm good with the peace part. I'm good with the access part. But you're going to say that I can now boast in my hard times? (laughs) Let's just stop at point one. I'll take the peace. I'll take the piece. I don't want to boast of my affliction. Let's keep going. And we, uh, because that we know, oh, this is the good part. Because that we know that our affliction produces endurance. Endurance produces proven character and proven character produces hope. Huh. I wonder if we would be steadfast in our hope for heaven if we had character, but we're not willing to endure our afflictions. Verse number five, this hope will not disappoint us. I wonder what it would look like if a church, I said I would just read straight through, I can't do it. I wonder what it would look like with a church of hopeful people uh, when when a church full of people that doesn't run from the hard times. Uh Uh-huh. Verse number six, this, verse number five rather, this hope will not disappoint because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has given to us. Now, uh, who was given to us? I'm gonna explain something to you. From verse one to verse five, there is enough doctrine in those five verses for you to have for your entire Christian life. There is enough, verse one, for one to five, for you to take that and live till he comes. The Bible's so rich, it's so full. He gave you three keys to a foundational faith that literally will sustain you till he comes back. Look at verse number six. For while we were still helpless, this is kind of like the, the runner or the ramp or the buildup. It's, it's a little backwards here. I mean, it's how Paul chose to do it. But look at verse number six. For while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Don't miss this. Don't miss this illustration, what he does. For rarely will someone die for a just person, though for a good person, perhaps someone might even dare to die. So in other words... Don't, don't take my child, take me instead. We maybe see the innocence in a child, so oh no, don't do that, take me, right? That's what Paul is saying. We're more inclined to die for someone who is innocent than someone who is guilty. But what did God do? Verse number seven, it says through a good person, verse number eight says this, but God proves his own love for us and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. In our minds, in our finite understanding of justice, we can look at injustice and say, they deserve that, they don't deserve that. I, I wanna take their penalty, and, and here's what Paul is saying. Jesus stepped into our lives while we were horrible, while we were, while we were missing the mark, while we were sinners. Christ came into our lives and chose to take our place. So in other words, there's no part of our rationale that can make sense of this. There's no part of you that will understand or follow through like God's love will. That's what Paul is saying. We'll come back to that. Verse, nine, verse number nine. How much more then? Look, this is, this is water in a desert. If God will then die for you who are horrible, not just somebody. We might die for our own kid because we love them and think they're good. No one's going to die for a criminal, but while you were a criminal, he died for you. And how much more, verse number nine, how much more since we have now been justified by his blood, will we be saved through him from wrath? Verse 10, for if while we were enemies, he goes a step further, Not just while we were sinners in verse eight, but while we were enemies in verse 10. We were in opposition. We were opposed. We were fighting each other. We were coming at this from two different angles and he chose to die for you. While we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Then how much more having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? And not only that, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom through whom we have now received this reconciliation. Man, that's some thick stuff there, folks. It's some good stuff. Listen fast, I'll talk fast, because uh, it's already 11.55. All right. Therefore, since we have been justified, this is the setup. Do you understand? Look at verse number one, back in the text. We're, gonna, we're just gonna rock this, you ready? Look at verse number one right there in the text. Therefore, since we have been justified, does everybody see in this text that Paul is saying, because of the fact that you have believed and been justified by faith, this is what's going to happen. Does everybody see that? Therefore, since we have been justified, so here's what I'm saying here. Jesus paid our debt, substitutionary atonement. Therefore, because Jesus paid your debt, you've been justified by faith. You've been declared righteous. Your sin is no longer on your account. It was given to Jesus and he paid for it with his life. Because of that, now pause in in our moment here of thinking. I wrote this just to kind of bring a little bit more weight to what Paul's saying. When we see someone that deserves their punishment we are inclined to wish the weight of that punishment onto that perpetrator. How many maybe were scrolling Instagram or Facebook or Twitter? How many more Twitter users do we have in here now this week than we did (laughs) a couple weeks ago? And I'm (laughs) jumping in on that one. Let's go. Amen. (laughs) Anyway. uh, (laughs) Nonetheless, moving on. uh, Lest we get political in the house of God. Amen. But you're scrolling through... Facebook and Instagram and you see this like horrible news story, you know, and typically what like really turns my stomach is like stuff that happens to kids. Do you know what I mean? And that we see it every day. The world is just a tragic place and we're scrolling and we see that horrible story. You know what I'm talking about? That gut feeling, that gut feeling that you get, that is us trying to act like we know what justice is. And that is us saying, I hope that that guy who did that horrible thing gets the full weight of his punishment. Do you know, does anybody track what that feeling I'm having right now? This is the kind of term, the kind of terms that Paul is inviting us into to think about our own salvation. Paul is inviting you into this space to understand what went into your justification, what went into your innocent declaration, where you were declared righteous. That same feeling that we have in the pit of our stomach where we want the full weight, we were enemies with God. We were in opposition with him. So that same feeling, right? When we see someone enduring something that they don't deserve, we are hurt to the core and wish that person free by any means necessary. Hashtag justice for whoever, right? That's the, the trending justice for Johnny or whoever, whatever. Uh, whatever. Uh, whatever that story is. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't looked it up. But you see the hashtags, Everybody's saying like, you know, we want justice for this person. Who are we, right? We really understand what's just and what isn't, don't we? We really think in our fallen world where we are the beneficiaries of salvation that we have the right to cast judgment on another. And we do in a sense, I understand. The law is the law but I'm trying to get you to perceive your justification and your faith from the right perspective here. We all walk through those feelings of that person deserves a guilty verdict. That person is not guilty. That person should go free. That person doesn't deserve that, right? We all walk through those. Now, let's continue to follow this line of thinking out. We are inclined to want justice and see justice carried out, but we are often hypocritical in our actions as this plays out many want to see themselves as victims of the world that that the world takes advantage of, but in reality, we all have taken advantage of Jesus. We are the reason that the only perfect person on the face to ever walk the face of this planet was murdered. That feeling of, oh, that, that person doesn't deserve that, or, oh, that person deserves that, what we have to understand is there's only been one perfect person on this planet. And that's Jesus Christ. And that one perfect person made a decision to come here out of his love and compassion for us. God had a feeling towards us. But God commendeth his love. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave. And, and the God in heaven looks down and think about the relationship that he had within the community of his Godhead. His son took the fall. His son died. His son bore the weight of our injustice. And who are we? We sit, turn our nose up at people who are worse than us. The reason why the only perfect person, I mean, that should be the headline story, right? Who killed Jesus? That's an old song, who killed Jesus many years ago. Who was guilty of a crime so low? Why did he have to die? What was the reason why? Who killed Jesus? I would like to see that it was really me. It was really me. In this thing of justice and justification and being declared righteous, we have absolutely no leg to stand on. That's what I'm trying to show you this morning. I'm trying to get the point across that every feeling that you have of that's horrible, that shouldn't be done, that should be done, all of that should be applied to you when thinking about your salvation. And that's what Paul is getting at. You've got Torah-abiding Jews in the room that think that their goodness is really good. We have people in this room that you think you're a good person because you come uh, three services out. Of, we only have three services out of the week. <laughs> kind of. If you come 9, 11, and, and 7 o'clock Wednesday. Three to thrive, that tells where I come from, right? In other words, you think that you're good because of what you do for God. That type of thought process doesn't live in the gospel. There is no such thing as a good person in the gospel. There is such a thing as a good God. Why is this important? It is the foundation. It is the foundation of what we believe. It is a foundational concept. Okay, all right. Hopefully you get it. We were ungodly, verse number six. We were guilty, verse number eight. We were enemies, verse number 10. Does everybody see what Paul's trying to say? But since we have been justified by faith, I'm I'm just here to tell you that it wasn't because you're good, but since you made the decision, and listen, if you're sitting here today or if you're watching online and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, today's the day. He has paid your way. He does love you more than anything. He loves you more than anyone ever could love you. He has the capacity for love. And so you should believe and put your faith and trust in him today. But if you're sitting here today and there's a lot of familiar faces in here, and, and if you're here and you have put your faith and trust in Jesus, you have been declared righteous, I got some things to tell you. There's benefits for you. Unfortunately, the posture of most Christians I meet, it's like, yeah, hmm How's things going? They're waiting for you to ask that. They're waiting for you to say, how's your week been? So that they can be like, well, pastor, well pastor (laughs) they're just they're waiting they've got it all down and then here it comes well I made a note about it well first it was Monday let me tell you what happened on Monday and then when I thought Monday couldn't get any worse then came Tuesday oh my lord it's so rough didn't you know life is so hard Look, here's here's what I'm saying. We have people that have been declared righteous. You were an enemy with God and you're saved. You're delivered. Do you know what that means? Let me explain something to you. The enemy has made his place in hell, separated from God for all eternity and he wants to take you with him. And Jesus said, no, he's a liar. Let Let me take care of you. Let me take your place. Let me give you a home in heaven when you die and we have hope, and yet we act like we have no hope. Why? Because we don't understand the benefits. Everybody say the benefits. benefits. Number one, benefit number one. Look back at verse number one. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Everybody say "Peace." peace. Say, I got peace. Number one, the first benefit of your being declared righteous, the first benefit of your justification by faith, the first benefit of you believing the gospel of Jesus Christ is this. Number one, we have peace. Here's the thing. You, you, you're not quite maybe putting together what this means. Verse number 10, Paul said, you were an enemy. Here's what it is. We picture two armies on either side coming together to collide. Enemies. You can picture in your mind an enemy. When I, when I say enemy, you can think Russia. And who? Ukraine. Enemies in opposition, fighters, people that go against each other. And that's what he's trying to show. He's trying to paint a picture of you in opposition with someone else. And then someone comes in the middle. Here's the connotation of the word peace. It's a treaty. He's saying someone drafted a treaty and then not only drafted it, neither neither side had to pay for it. Someone entered into this situation, this war, this conflict, and said, I will end the conflict and pay the price for the treaty for peace. That's the weight of the situation. We read right over it. Therefore, because you have been declared righteous, because you've declared your loyalty, he has made peace. Here's the thing. And this is going somewhere. We are worried about things that happen on this side of heaven. We're worried about our hangnails. You understand what I'm saying? Our, our pain, our affliction, it's light, it's but for a moment. We even worry about death this side of heaven. But what Paul is saying, remember he used words like this, "Oh death, where is thy, Oh grave, where is thy victory? Here's the reason, because sin is the sting of death. And if Jesus has declared you righteous, that means you're at peace with God. We're running around thinking about the wrong thing. We're running around thinking about if our neighbor likes us or doesn't like us. We're running around thinking our spouse either likes, am I at peace with my wife or not? And the real challenge is, are you at peace with an almighty God who will end you if you die in your sin, who judges the quick and the dead. It is appointed unto men, once to die, and after this, the judgment. And if Jesus stepped in, signed the pre-peace treaty, listen, you have nothing to worry about this side of heaven. We put so much weight and so much stock into what happens in our three score and 10, And, and as our 70 years on this earth, as it pertains to eternity is... A vapor. It appeareth for a little time, James says, and vanisheth away. God has made peace with you. If you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the peace treaty is signed. Nothing you did got you in it. Nothing you can do can get you what? Out of it. He's made peace. But all the enemy can do is say, uh-uh, no. You're not. He's not at peace with you. He says to you, remember that thing you did? Remember that life you lived before? Remember that sin you did? Remember you tried to do that good thing and it didn't pan out? He's not really for you. The enemy lies. But if we look at the enemy and say, he hasn't made peace with you. He's made peace with me. And we rebuke the enemy. Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. Satan will never, the accuser of the brethren, as long as he's accusing, will never find peace with God. Jesus made peace with us. This morning, you can live in peace. I often hear this. I hear, Pastor Matt, I just don't have peace about this situation. I just don't know where my life is going. I just, I'm not settled. And I look at people and I'm like, why? Y'all are looking at me like that right now, as a matter of fact. Why are we so worried about the things that God is absolutely in control of? But what about this and what about, what about it? He's made peace with you. Here's what I'm saying. That thing that's consuming you, God's not worried about it. But I got to pray and I got to tell him, yes, cast your care upon him for he cares for You, but he's not worried about that health issue. He's not worried about that problem, that decision. He's already taken care of it. He went to the end of the thing, that's your life, and made a way. That's why we sing songs like He made a way. That's why we sing songs like I see a victory. We live from a place of victory. He doesn't know defeat. The temporal things of this life. Scripture says, take no thought for tomorrow. For tomorrow will take thought for the things of itself. He's not worried. Look, you can choose to worry about the things that he's already cared for. And you live in anxiety or you live in security. Either way, he's made peace with you. Either way, you can have peace. So why worry? ever thought of it that way? Why am I, if I lose, if I die, if the worst of the worst happens, guess what? We're good. You ever thought about that? So why not live for that day? Why not live for the day that you meet him face to face? Okay. All right. mm -hmm. This is the thick stuff. You think, this is why we didn't make it to the point number three, DJ. Oh, my goodness. Look at this. We, we have peace. Listen to this verse, Colossians 1.20. Just in case you don't, you don't believe what I'm saying. Let me read a few more verses. Paul put it this way in Colossians. And through him to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. I'm trying to give you the big picture before we get to the suffering part. He's saying, I've already done the hardest of work to make peace with you. I've already gone to the end of time to secure your eternity. So before we talk about anything else, know that. Know I've got you. Does everybody understand that? But yet death is the very thing that we fear the most and worry about. I'm trying to bring weight from the scriptures this morning. Does everybody see that? Ephesians 2, 14 through 17, For he is our peace, who made both groups one, (laughs) tore down the dividing wall of hostility in his flesh, made of no effect the law consisting of commands and expressed in regulations, so that he might create in, in himself one new man from the two, resulting in what? I don't care if you're a Torah-abiding Jew or a Gentile that's had nothing to do with him. We now in the new covenant have become what? One, in peace. Keep reading. He did this so that he might reconcile both to God in one body through the cross by which he put to hostility to death. Put hostility to death. He came and proclaimed the good news of what? Peace. Peace to you who were far away and peace to those who are near. We no longer live in conflict, but rather have a peace treaty that has been signed by Jesus Himself. Look, we're living in fear for all the wrong reasons. Do you see that? If we actually believed the Word of God, Sarah said this about marriage relationships in our study Wednesday night. If you actually believed the Bible and its principles, principles, <laughs> if you actually believed the Bible and its principles, you would live them and work them and do them. But we have a faith issue. Oh, that's the whole preface, the whole thing. Verse number one, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace. You gotta go back to faith. You have to go back to the foundation. Do you really believe it? All right, let's keep going. I'll go five more minutes, which means we're only gonna get to the next point. Number one, we have peace. Number two, we have access. We have access. Look at verse number two, it says this. We have also obtained access... Through, watch this, through him, who's him? Jesus, Jesus, by what? Faith into this grace in which we stand. The second thing we have is access. I was joking about this in the early service. This is like my kid's second house. You know what I mean? Like we're here all the time. And when they come here, Sarah homeschools the kids a lot of times from here. I'll watch them while I'm across the hall doing Bible study and things. But this is like home for them, right? They, they, and it's clear, right? Because they make messes everywhere they go. (laughs) And why is that? Because they have access. My office is an extension of their bedroom, didn't you know? Like just look in there half the time and it's like awful. (laughs) Crumbs everywhere, juice boxes. And I get mad at them and whip them for it. Just kidding, we don't spank. Hi, Facebook. (laughs) Take that zuck. (laughs) <laughs> I'm a mess. You get my point? They have access. This place is different to them because they're familiar and because doors aren't barriers to them. They go anywhere. They break down those barriers and those walls. Think about this. Heaven, for some, it's like a door that you never open. Your relationship with God it's like a foreign thing that you only go when you have a problem. And because of your faith, because when we realize that we're not there because of our goodness, but because of his goodness, then we're like, we own this joint. My kids run around in here. I mean, just literally look after service. What are they doing? They're making laps. They're coming in here. They love this little room. This is great and they're playing, and everything's theirs. this is amazing, right? Might as well be at home, church, it doesn't matter. There's, there's access, there's familiarity, and they didn't pay for any of it. <laughs> <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? But to you that thinks you're earning something with your faith, but to you that's keeping a merit system, you can only go to God when you've had a good week. I can only come talk to pastor when I know I've read my Bible every day. And look, you think it's funny, but like people act that way to me. People only, I can tell when people aren't doing good. You know why? They don't text much. They don't call much. I don't see them in community with others. There's no access. They become elusive. They frequent when they're doing good. You know what that tells me? That tells me 90% of Christians today think that they have access only when they're doing good. And only when things are right. If I can help you put this doctrine in order in your mind, you have access because Jesus gave it to you. You're a three-year-old in the family of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? They don't buy their clothes for themselves. The only thing they do on their own is poop. That's pretty emblematic of my relationship with the Lord. (laughs) The only thing I do is mess things up, God. I'm really good at it. Please change me. (laughs) Anyway, we can keep going with that. (laughs) Some of y'all need to take that illustration, not that specific part. (laughs) And you need to realize, here's the wording, okay? We have access through faith, watch this, into his grace, ooh, You know what the implications of that Greek word grace are? His mercy, his kindness, his love. We have access, the door opens into his love, into his presence. And Paul put it this way, where we stand. I, I can't. If you're sitting here today, if you're watching online and you're not going to God because of the horrible thing that you did, because of your past, because of your life, whatever the reason that's keeping you from it, know that he's waiting for you to come into it. He's going, I'm on the other side of the door and inside this door I got snacks. I got Netflix. I got it all, spiritually speaking. I got a place for you to stay. I've paid the price for your entire life. It's all here. I want you to walk into my grace. Man. Nothing more that Sarah and I like than opening our door and inviting people into our home. It's a good feeling. We're communal beings for a reason. God is saying, you were driven from Eden. This earth was designed to be my holy temple, my Resting place. I crafted it for me and you to live in community and Satan and sin has driven you from the tree of life. But Jesus has made a way for you to come into life, into my grace, into my presence. You got access. Swipe the on key card and come in. And if Satan can keep you outside, Because of your past or because of what you don't do or because of what you do, he wins. This doctrinal statement of justification by faith is for me to bless you. (laughs) Don't miss this as I wrap up. The whole statement is that your relationship is predicated on Jesus's righteousness and Jesus's goodness and you declaring that over your life. You have peace and you have access. Thank you for watching and joining us for our church online. I pray this experience was just what you needed today. If you made a decision for the Lord to follow Christ, or if the Lord did something in your heart that was special today, we would love to hear about it. Post it in the comments, send us a message, and we'll reach out to you. Have a wonderful week and God bless.